You are listening to episode 24 of the EU Startups Podcast, today with entrepreneur and investor Michael Brehm, who currently runs i2x, an AI-based solution for real-time conversation coaching. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the EU Startups Podcast. We paused this podcast for quite a while to fully focus on the in-person comeback of the EU Startup Summit. And I have to say it was totally worth it. On May 12 and 13, we gathered almost 1,700 founders, startup enthusiasts and investors in beautiful Barcelona, and it was just awesome to meet so many passionate, like-minded and ambitious people from all over Europe in one place. If you missed this year's EU Startup Summit, make sure to join us next time. The 2023 dates will be announced later this month. And now, without further ado, let's jump right into today's interview, which our head of content, Patricia, actually already recorded earlier this year. So, welcome to the next episode of the EU Startups Podcast. Today, we are delighted to be speaking with Michael Brem. So Michael Bram is one of the biggest names in the German startup scene, and he's a pretty well-renowned serial founder, manager, and investor. Currently, Michael is focusing on his AI company, i2x, which he founded in 2017. i2x is a really innovative AI-based platform that analyzes phone calls in real time and then provides real-time tips and suggestions in order to generate more meaningful, more successful conversations. So, Michael, you've sold companies to the likes of Google. You're a part of a company that turned down an offer from Facebook, Studi Hofset, and you've taken one company public, and you've also started an investment company. So I think it's fair to say that you've quite the instinct for business and identifying trends, and you've, you've quite an interesting story to tell. So it's really, really great to have you here today. So thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Uh, it's a great pleasure. Yeah, it's great to have you. So um, to start off, can you give us just a little overview of your entrepreneurial story? So how did you find yourself becoming this serial founder and investor? Um, it, it actually dates back quite a bit. So already at school, I was uh, fascinated by entrepreneurship. Um, and when I was uh, 15, I actually founded my first company, uh, but very offline for actually uh, producing some clothing for, for snowboard uh, accessories like hats and hoodies uh, because I'm, I grew up in the south of Germany close to the mountains um, and everybody okay. in the 19th was, was starting with snowboarding. So I, I was always fascinated with like basically having a white paper, um, thinking about something, then people say, oh no, this can't be done, this is difficult. And then the process of really creating something is just uh, just amazing. And <clears throat> um, and, and since then, I always wanted to either work um, in a startup or or found one myself, uh, which then uh, after I finished uh, kind of school and university, I did. Um, and, and what I also now figured is that um, I think it's, it's really cool um, in the sense that you're A, working with very motivated, very smart people. Um, but I also feel working in technology and in startup, it's uh, kind of working on the future. It's like I feel a lot of the things that 10, 20 years ago 
you you could see in uh, in movies and thought oh this is far away it's now reality and for some uh, little parts um, you're kind of involved in in creating these yeah that's so cool it's and it's it's really true like the the innovations that we're coming up with today are the future and as you said it's really interesting to to look back and think of all the things that have been created um and yeah i didn't realize that you started out with a snowboarding business that's really cool <laughs> so at the minute which kind of companies which programs and projects are you working on so I mean, the the I'm, I'm managing director and, and founder of I2X, uh, where as as you mentioned, we do uh, real time speech analytics. But most importantly, we give real time feedback and guidance and support to agents in customer calls. Um, and and the reason is that with my last company before that, it was a large daily deals platform, large com- competitor to Groupon. Um, with close of uh, 10,000 people working there with 2,500 telesales agents. Um, and that was a incredible quest to help these 2,500 telesales and customer support agents to do what we wanted them to do, um, but also for them to reach their full potential. Um, and uh, and I figured that, uh, that that's obviously not, not so easy to do. Um, and the best suggestion at the time I was getting is like, yeah, you have to hire one trainer per agent and put them next to the T agent, and then that will fix it. And I thought, oh, thank you very much. This is unfortunately not possible. Neither mm-hmm. will I find two and a half thousand trainers uh, in 30 countries within a very short amount of time, nor does this make any financial sense. And, <clears throat> and then I thought it would be really cool to build a software that does this because essentially it goes... Um, uh, much further than just in, in support, but it goes to the core of humanity, which is what makes us humans. It's uh, communication. It's next to our brains and our hands as tools is the ability to communicate and to essentially achieve a common understanding over billions of people about one specific topic um, is thanks to communication. And how often have we probably all thought, oh, yesterday um, we should have said this or shouldn't have said that and we should have communicated better more etc um and and we're essentially all not reaching our full potential because of lack of um kind of communication abilities um Mm -hmm. and building a platform and a software that in real time helps you to improve that um i I just find this very fascinating and then if you want to do this the question is where to start and then in general, customer support and sales is a good place to start because you get a lot of consistent and well-structured data. Um, um, and maybe also like how I like to look at companies nowadays as everything, not only, I mean, obviously it, ha- it has moved software and now it's moving more in AI. And then the question is, what's important for that? You have, you have the amount, normally data is not the problem itself. Computing powers, there are algorithms you can program, all of that. The biggest problem, and that's like where 80 or 90% of the problem is coming from, is about the structure of data. Do you have good data sets? Is it well labeled? So that the, actually the algorithms can do something with it. And, and normally that's, that's very rarely the case. So whatever, uh, so I like to look at companies basically from a data strategy and data label, data structure backwards. Um, and, um, and that has in the past worked well. <clears throat> so, so you think what would be the ideal data set to achieve what you want to want to do? And then from how can you get that or from which type of customers would you need to have and what type of operations? And then you look everything backwards. 
And ideally, you do this, um, you collect the data, you enrich them, et cetera, and build them, provide already value to revenue um, on the path. And I think uh, one of the best companies that actually does this is, is Tesla in the sense that their end goal obviously is um, a, a full autonomous driving software, mm -hmm. which is still, as we now know, quite a bit uh, away. Uh, but they have a sure. product that provides value that they can sell. But on the go, since the beginning, they're collecting these great data sets um, and, uh, and can build uh, on top of this their software. Interesting. Yeah. So it's it's really interesting to, to hear that and the importance of looking at those data sets then. So I2X as well, really, is kind of focusing on, on that um, collaboration between humans and AI to improve communications. Um, what do you see as the long term, their vision for I2X? So it's, it's really to help people um, uh, to help people to communicate better. Um, and uh, and do a better better job in what they say, how they say it, when they say it, how they react to um, to to people. And and we start um, mainly for medium sized and large companies in sales and uh, and service. And maybe you ask like, okay, why don't you want to automate it? Um, at least a lot of my friends ask me that. It's much cooler, pure software. Um, and obviously, a lot of managers say, oh, so you have a lot less trouble with uh, with hr but i think i mean for one um it's uh, or it's it's easy to automize a one question one answer two questions two answers most of the conversations have let's say 10 or 15 20 iterations sure. and in every single iteration you have um a mistake rate let's say it's 10% or 20% um, and obviously, over um, over the over several of these iterations, over 10, 20 questions answers, this ad adds up. So in the end, if you would want to automize it, at the end, um, you're, you've maybe just answered one or two or three percent uh, correctly, uh, sure. which means your customer experience is um, is extremely low yeah. or non-existent. Um, and and that's why I'm and and this, by the way, this kind of topic um, of adding up. The mistake rate, and then uh, kind of in total having a very low uh, or bad experience, is true for a lot of um, the the kind of projects that try to automate completely. Um, and that's why I'm now uh, a much bigger fan of augmentation than trying to immediately automate everything. Which in many many cases, and again, self-driving vehicles is the best examples, is really far away. But but making the human better and helping the human. Uh, to improve, um, you can immediately create value. Um, there is there is a lot, lot of potential in it, um, and mm -hmm. uh, and 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 then you build the, the data sets to do a lot of uh, other things. So you're, you're you're helping the human rather than replacing the human. Correct. Which kind of keeps more integrity in the the conversation. Which is it, 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 it yeah, it's not only keeps more integrity, but it's simple. Like for the mis mistake rate, it, it's simply mm -hmm. currently technically impossible. Uh, to automate a lot of these conversations sure. and that's by the way that's i mean it's true even for for emails where where there are systems that um kind of make you suggestions what to answer instead of trying to automate everything completely um uh, or and um yeah and in in many other areas as well so in general i think uh, by the way also if you're thinking about um ai projects uh, or what to do i think the best 
what I mentioned first, obviously, data, data strategy is important. But second one is don't immediately think about like, oh, how can I completely automize a big part or everything, but rather are there systems and are there projects where I can, with technology, help the human to get better? Um, and that's oftentimes the one which you can implement faster, which leads to faster success um, and also in, in, in organizations more acceptance. Interesting. Okay. So when you were founding I2X and getting off the ground, what um, challenges did you face? <laughs> oh, um, many. I mean, uh, the, uh, a, lot, a lot of technical challenges. So we didn't really know if what we wanted to do was, was possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we built, uh, built a few prototypes. Um, I think that was the biggest one. So what I, when, I, when I started I2X, I wanted to focus on a, on a big problem. Um, and I think communication and human interaction is a, is a big problem or topic. And I wanted to kind of uh, work on something with a very complex technology. Um, before I have built large or was involved in large companies, but um, not necessarily, they, they were not necessarily considered deep tech or uh, companies. And I thought I wanted to work on really the cutting edge of technology, mm-hmm. kind of great patents and, and, and all of that. Um, <clears throat> and uh, so, so that was, uh, was from the beginning, the main challenge. Um, we, we then, what, what actually sometimes is a challenge, what, which wasn't so much the question is, is there a market? So I went uh, to a lot of people I knew and that, uh, after, I think, probably one or two months, I had about 50 companies that told me, yeah, in general, I think it's a big problem for us, this whole kind of customer support, etc. Um, and, and we would be interested in, in trying out and testing that, um, which, which I think is a good strategy also if you're yeah. launching a new project or something. Instead of first building the project and then selling it, first sell, sell it basically create your, your sales deck first, try to sell it. Um, and then when people say, yes, we're interested, you tell them, you know what, there's so much demand in a year's time, your, your delivery slot is there. And then you have a year's time to build your first product. So um, sell first and make later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously you, with a clear intention to build it, but, but mm-hmm. oftentimes, especially with very technical um, founders um and uh, or also in in units i see that there is great technology developed a theoretically great product but then once it hits the market they figure oh it's not exactly what the market wanted or needed etc sure so you need to make uh, sure that there's there's space there for some more and there's interest so, so i think that that was one and then um the the other one were uh, which was a challenge which i think now we we have tackled well is obviously that to um, work on voice um, there is a lot of very specific regulation in Europe with the GDPR mm-hmm. uh, which is not only that you have to keep the, the servers uh, in the EU but that's maybe one or two percent of the, the, the regula- regulatory framework but there is a lot a lot of uh, topics you have to to be aware of so that's yeah. something we take very serious we work against um, uh, a lot um, yeah. uh, so, so I would say technically from, from one, is it possible at all? And, and the th- second one, um, from a regulatory perspective and yeah, maybe during, uh, and maybe during the pandemic, one of the things that, that we saw is that as everything moved remote, um, and a lot of these call centers are, let's say in more developing areas, 
uh, of of Europe, which not necessarily have the, have the best broadband uh, or internet connection. Um, obviously, to to then get the data um, that at the time for some of of the people was a challenge to have uh, actually if one if they want to work from home to have a technical setup that this is possible at all. I mean, not only for us, but it, even like accessing the CRM fast enough, doing the VoIP calls, being able to do this. So um, for, for several of our customers and their, their employees, that was a major challenge. Interesting. Yeah, there's so many different pieces to the, the puzzle, the pandemic puzzle that sometimes we don't think about. So that's, yeah, that's an interesting insight. So obviously you are um, Berlin based. Um, so what do you think that it, it makes Germany and Berlin more specifically a great place to launch startups? Well, um, let's wh where to start. Let's start, which is quite interesting. Why did Berlin develop into this major hub uh, that, mm -hmm. that it came? I think it's a little bit an untold story. So obviously, you, everybody knows that um, after the Second World War, Berlin was divided. Um, and then you had worse Berlin which was essentially, mm -hmm. or not essentially, which was surrounded by the, um, by the Soviets. Um, and everybody was afraid that every, any minute or any day, uh, they would just kind of walk into or conquer West Berlin. So there were a few people and companies that wanted to um, be there, um, which led to the result that the German government at the time, I think, paid something like 500 Deutschmarks, maybe it was a little bit less or more, to people for just being there. So if you were just living in Berlin and didn't do anything, you would receive every month a certain payment. Now, the question is, who wanted to live off 500 Deutschmarks at the time? It was worth more than, than today, so 250 euros, but um, certainly you wouldn't get, get rich from it. So it was essentially artists, creative people, um, uh, etc. Um, so, uh, and then the wall came down. A lot of East Berliners went to the West or somewhere. So you had essentially, uh, and by the way, also the other thing is that the government then did because you corporations didn't want to go there. You couldn't put um, important administration like finance ministry, defense ministry, you couldn't put there. So they put a lot of universities and research uh, institutions there. So when the wall came down, East, East Berlin, let's say, was half empty. And the other half was full with research institutions and creative people. Um, mm -hmm. And then, and, and obviously, very cheap labor cost. And if you think about what do you need to create startups, there wasn't an opportunity to work for large corporations. You need essentially good, well-educated people, um, creative people, and ideally cheap um, kind of uh, cheap labor. Sorry, cheap cheap living costs. And that that was in a way the perfect seeding ground. And then when the internet yeah. hit, etc. And I think that's when, when how the internet, how this whole ecosystem grew, because Berlin was this city that everybody thinks, oh, then Berlin suddenly attracted these, these kind of creative people and was this became after the wall came down this crazy place. But it didn't really. It was like, because of political reasons, it was yeah. this crazy place already 30, 40 years before that. Um, fascinating. And, it was like rooted in its historical DNA, in a way. Yeah. So, so, and mm -hmm. and that's. Uh, I think that's until today, it it kept a lot of this this heritage, um, and it's a it's a great great place to visit. I think <clears throat> if you think about hubs, why do certain hubs develop? Berlin is also a place where which people really like to visit. So, if you think about, um, and and sometimes it's funny is. Uh, 
like even a lot of international investors, um, Berlin is definitely the place you want to see. If you want to visit or experience physically um, the kind of Cold War, the Second World War today, Berlin is the place where you go, where it's, which stands for that, where you visit pieces of the old wall, where you have these museums, where you have Checkpoint Charlie and all of that. Um, so, uh, so it, it's, it's a place where a lot of people want to go there anyhow. And if you're an investor, if you're interested in startups and you visit it anyhow, then you say, okay, then maybe I'll also look at one or two startups and then you invest in one. And then once you've invested in one, then you have to go there to board meetings wow. and you come to more. So what you see with a lot of the, um, kind of hubs that grew, there are hubs where people liked to go there anyhow. Um, there is a similar story around Munich, Munich with Oktoberfest, etc. It's a nice city. So people go there anyhow for many different reasons or because it's like one of the major hubs to go uh, into when you, you, when you want to go to the Alps for skiing. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then you meet startups, etc. Um, so, so I think that's, that's then also obviously you needed capital. Um, by now it has improved really a lot, but that was, um, in the in the 90s and also especially in the in the 2000s is still a major issue because there were very very few um vcs that were berlin based or visiting berlin great that's really fascinating insights so thank you very much for that um so going off on that i mean obviously ai is a big part of new tech new up-and-coming tech and it's obviously a big part of i2x how do you see Germany and Europe positioned to lead AI development over the next few years? Do you think that it's going to be the hub for AI? Well, to, to lead in general Germany or any other country in Europe, I think that's, that's uh, I mean, obviously uh, would, would be wishful, but um, currently I think it's more catch up. Um, it's very obvious, obvious that, that the US and China are leading. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, not necessarily in research. So Europe in general, um, and I w- would mark this to Europe, Europe um, is, is amazing at, at research um, and at patents and all of that. Uh, but there is a big issue in kind of transferring that into, into foundations, into companies, into applications. Um, <clears throat> and uh, I, I think there is, I mean, I mean you, need, you need, the most concrete thing I would do is um, improve on the on the spin out um, programs processes uh, of universities to kind of found startups. Every university, I think, should have a standard uh, kind of standard contracts. If you want to uh, take patents and, and found your own startup, um, they should have for technical people these entrepreneurial courses, um, and they should make it in really a way that also then you. Culture in universities. Yeah, more. I, I think that 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 would 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 be great. Obviously, more uh, more more investment, but more investment will come if there are exciting projects um, and and companies. Um, and and then another big question uh, is, um, what can you do with the data? Um, and obviously, um, we have a very specific regulatory environment, uh, which is which sometimes it makes it not very easy for companies to, to build um, AI applications because the, the essence is data. And if it's very heavily regulated, what you can do with data, 
we're naturally in a disadvantage uh, over places like the US and, and China. But this is then a very political discussion, uh, which um, I think just as, as, as Europe, uh, we, we need to have. Interesting. Okay. So then final question. Um, you've obviously had quite a successful, quite a varied career. Looking back at it all, what would you say has been your proudest moment? I don't know if it was, um, uh, or two. I, I don't know if it was one one moment. I think there were two kind of two processes uh, which which were really great. One one was um, the uh, when my my the, the first kind of tech startup uh, where I was managing director was a social networking site called Studifeldset already fifty years back, but uh, when we became the largest and most traffic website in Germany and have like had like 50% of everybody who had an internet connection uh, in Germany every day on our website. And you just felt that this kind of accelerated the use of the internet and, and just, we, we essentially brought social media to Germany and actually to a yeah. few other European com- and, um, countries. Facebook, obviously massive giant tried to buy you, right? There are rumors that they, wanted to do that uh that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um but uh yeah but i mean there, there were a lot of stories around it but it was really this like ha- having if, if you are an entrepreneur and you oftentimes you start with a white paper and suddenly you see you you're a part of this massive transformation um that's something i would say i was was proud of and the other one is actually a platform that i co-founded which is is redstone.vc uh, which is a Kind of platform that creates VC funds uh, for specific topics, and if you see over the last um, kind of also there are roughly ten years in how many great startups they have invested, um, how many um, kind of uh, great things came out of it, how much innovation. Um, that that's also something that uh, that that makes me proud. And maybe also the third thing is that now with I two X, I would definitely mention that uh, that I'm I'm working on something very technical. I mean, very complex, uh, which I feel in many areas is on on the cutting edge uh, globally, what what you can do. Sure. Fascinating. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for for sharing your insights with us today. It's been really interesting and I've definitely very much enjoyed it. So thank you. Thank you very much to you.